Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. everyone to live Dharma Sunday for January 19th, 2020. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, <laughs> we spend a lot of time on, on our computers, go online, and what a wealth of information and communication, expression of ourselves. And... Um, Sometimes we get notices of so-and-so posted something, you know, apparently uh, we clicked on being friends. And so we get notifications when they, when they uh, add something to their online presence. And uh, one of our lay ministers, uh, I received a notice like that. And so I, I, I just went to see what he was up to and, and, uh, in addition to a lot of other content uh, of his online presence, he included interspersed uh, quotes that you know that he probably that he liked. Uh, a lot of nice images of food, you know. When you say he really get hungry when you see these really uh, scrumptious photos of different food dishes, and I guess that's very common nowadays. You're at a restaurant and you order something, the food comes in, oh, your eyes light up and you take your phone out and, <laughs> you know, and that's, that, that's good. But I thought for my introductory remarks today, I just wanted to share two or three uh, quotes that I thought were kind of, you know, were motivating uh, and uh, I printed them out. Um, one of them was, uh, was about letting go. And it says, because we always hear this phrase, well, let go, you know, <laughs> uh, Buddha's teaching of non-attachment, I guess. Huh? Letting go, let go. Okay. But uh, the quote was that, no, you, you can't just simply let go. It doesn't work like that. Okay. In order to let go, the Buddha, the Dharma teachings tell us that Letting go can only come when we develop wisdom. 
we have to emphasize the wisdom aspect, right understanding. Okay? You can't just simply say, well, let go. Oh, you're hanging on, you know, you got to let go. Okay? Is that you have to uh, endeavor to deepen your right understanding. Okay? What does right understanding mean? Well, there we go. Uh-huh. That's it. Um, another quote talked about equanimity. Equanimity, <laughs> kind of a kind of a <laughs> awkward proper word, I guess. Equanimity uh, contains equanimity contains the complete willingness to behold the pleasant and the unpleasant aspects of life equally. It points to a deep balance in which you are not pushed and pulled between the coercive energies of attraction and aversion. Okay. Um, I'm not sort of attributing the, the quotes to different people because I kind of, I like to, just my own quirk, I guess, but I like to change some words around that I feel would be better in a particular quote. So actually I'm paraphrasing that, you know, the quotes. Um, uh, for example, willingness to behold the pleasant. The original quote is willingness. Equanimity compl- contains the complete willingness to behold the pleasant and the painful aspects of life equally. Uh, I substitute the word unpleasant for painful. You know, physical pain you can't ignore. You know. Um, uh, that's physical. Okay. Also, uh, the last the last line where it says phrase where it says and where you're not pushed and pulled between the coercive energies of desire and aversion, and I substituted attraction for desire. Uh, I just think it's more more nuanced that way, you know things that we were attracted to, not that necessarily we desire in the sense of a willful action that we're, whoa, I want that. But there's some things that we, you know, knowingly or unknowingly, consciously or unconsciously, we're attracted to. We're not necessarily conscious of it, whereas when you use the word desire, I think we're more conscious of, yeah, I want that. But there are a lot of things that uh, we're influenced uh, uh, toward or against that we not, might not be completely aware of. So it's a more broader statement. But the thing I wanted to mention is this is a deep balance. Okay. That's I think I guess that's is that the middle way in Buddhism? Maybe. Okay. Just as the classic story in the Buddhist literature about uh, when. Shakyamuni, well, when Siddhartha Gautama, I I don't know exactly, but I'm just talking loosely. If he's sitting under the uh, Bodhi tree uh, and he hears a a lute being played by someone that's on the passing boat near the Ganges on the Ganges River, playing the strings. The lute 
I'm not sure exactly how many strings a lute has, but okay, it strikes it. It occurs to Siddhartha that uh, the string has to be just right. If it's too loose, you're not going to get any sound. And if it's too tight, it'll break. Huh? So the function, optimally, the tension or the tightness of the st- string has to be just right. What does that just right mean? <laughs> huh? Kind of like a deep balance, kind of like a middle way. Okay. And uh, this is a very tricky thing because in the Eightfold Path, we have, you know, right meditation, right thought, right action, right speech. What does right mean? That's a loaded term in our dualistic framework. Huh? Right? Immediately we say, oh, that's the opposite of wrong. Right, wrong. Uh, attraction, aversion, pleasant, unpleasant. Oh. But uh, that's an interesting topic. I'm not going to say I'm giving an answer to it, but it opens up a discussion. What does it mean, right? Because we know it's not just a simple ethical dualism. Huh? It refers to some something about a deep balance, about a, the middle way, not as a compromise between two extremes. That's too lukewarm and uh, shallow uh, application of the teaching. The last quote is, peace and clarity arrive through understanding patterns and the underlying nature of our minds rather than through stopping our thoughts, achieving some special state, or having a particular experience. When we remember and trust that when we loosen the rigid grip of our expectations and concepts, we can find more space to refocus and recommit to our daily practice. Uh I think that's an instructive aspect of the teaching that uh, in terms of expectations, which would include uh, goals or desire, the attraction part, uh, we want, oh, we got to, we, we shouldn't think too much. You know, analytical, intellectual thought, well, you know, don't, don't do that too much. Or achieving some special state of wisdom, enlightenment. Oh, I got I got it. That's something to get. Okay. Or having a particular experience. Yeah, there are good experiences and bad experiences and neutral experiences. We like to categorize, we like to label, and it's necessary to do so. We are thinking beings, but there are, the nuances are crucial. Huh? And we need to always be unpacking, and we never arrive. We just keep going. <laughs> well, I want to introduce today to give us a Dharma glimpse. <clears throat> I know she's titled it Winter. And this is by Nico Bioyo, currently lives in Florida, and she was part of our LM3 group. So let's hear from Nico Bioyo. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today on the Sunday Dharma Glimpse. Um, I just wanted to share something, um, just, just something I've been reflecting on since it is winter. 
um, even though I live in Southwest Florida, I used to live in Illinois. And um, I lived there for seven years. I grew up in Texas, and I also lived in Hawaii. But the last place I lived before I lived in Southwest Florida for the past two years was Illinois in the Chicago area. And I was um, just really kind of reflecting on this idea of, you know, winter and cold and, you know, sort of what, what you know, it's all relative. <laughs> What's cold to one person and is different than what's cold to another person. So I was reflecting just recently um, about how when I lived in Illinois, I was exposed to really extremely cold temperatures that I'd never experienced before in my entire life. And the emotional response I had to those temperatures was interesting as well because I felt like I was suffering emotionally. And I was, I felt, it felt unpleasant. Even if I was inside and I was in a home that was heated, I still was suffering emotionally and I did not enjoy extremely cold temperatures. I didn't enjoy sh uh, shoveling snow. <laughs> and although I did enjoy the way snow looked when it was falling, I didn't like the effect of it accumulating for months on the side of the road. So reflecting on that, when I did uh, move to Southwest Florida, I told myself that I would never complain about it being hot because of the fact that that's what I wanted was to live in a warmer climate. And then, of course, I'm sure you know where the story is going. Uh, you probably know that it's pretty darn hot sometimes in South Florida. And so I caught myself this past year because it was much hotter than normal that the heat lasted longer. And so many people were, you know, suffering emotionally over it, I caught myself thinking, oh my God, I'm so hot. Oh, when is this heat going to end? You know, suffering emotionally over it. And then I remembered what it was like to be in extremely cold temperatures. And I remembered that promise that I said I made myself to never complain about it being hot. And it's just a realization that no matter what our external environment is, that we have a choice to regulate our internal environment in such a way to not suffer emotionally, you know, and to not be attached to the, those external circumstances. And sometimes it can be helpful when you're in an, uh, an extreme external circumstance, like um, very hot, hot temperatures, to remember the other extreme if you've had the experience of it invoking the memory, and then sometimes that can help us regulate our responses. So perhaps if you're experiencing something else extreme other than temperature, like maybe you're uh, experiencing conflict in a relationship, extreme conflict in a, an important relationship in your life, then what I recommend is that you can think about a time when you had a really good experience in a relationship, and it doesn't even have to be that particular relationship if you can't find a good, pleasant experience to remember in that relationship, think of another relationship that you can find. And what happens is it actually fires those neural networks of positivity and helps you reconnect to the feelings of things being more balanced and more regulated and more in the middle, the middle path, right? So somebody that I've been studying recently, um, his name is Rick Hansen, PhD, and he wrote a book called 
the Buddha brain. And he's a neurologist and a psychologist, and he talks about the neurology of enlightenment. And something that he talks about a lot is the positivity, the negativity and positivity bias we have. The negativity bias in our brain comes from our primal brain, our amygdala, and it's designed to help us hold on to negative memories more so than positive ones to keep us from future dangers and threats to our survival, our body's survival, that is, to keep us from dying. So he says that negative memories are like Teflon. No, I'm sorry. He says negative memories are like Velcro and positive memories are like Teflon. So you see where I'm going with this, is that it takes more positive thoughts to outweigh a negative one in order to shift our feelings, our state of being, into a more positive one. So again, if you're experiencing something negative, a negative thought pattern, try to stop if you're able to be mindful enough, and invoke some positive memories, things that you can feel good about right now that currently are in your environment, or even in the past, invoking memories, because your brain doesn't know the difference. And stay in that space as long as you can. Really, really, like, soak in it and see the difference. I hope this has been really helpful to you, and I wish you all a beautiful day. Thank you for having me in one minute. Thank you very much. Oh, boy, weather, huh? <laughs> what a ubiquitous, universal topic of conversation. Huh? It's the best social lubricant there is when you meet anybody, strangers or good friends. When you first meet, you say, hey, oh, you know, well, hey. <laughs> You start talking about the weather, okay? And uh, and I think especially if you do live in a place where the climate does have the extremes in summer and winter, and uh, it's such an easy, uh, accessible topic of conversation, huh? Um, <clears throat> and then talking about just right, or what is just, you know, <laughs> uh, what is the, the right balance, Meaning, not too many, not such extremes. Okay. Now, somebody might feel, oh, like San Diego, the weather in San Diego, that's just right. Okay, it never gets too hot or too cold. Okay, but for some, maybe said, well, that is a kind of boring. Maybe you should be uh, like some other climates. I know when we lived in North Carolina, we got the seasons. And that was nice, but it wasn't severe. It wasn't really hot and humid, but summer was pretty hot. And we did get snow occasionally several times in the winter, okay? but it wasn't extreme cold. Okay? Now, I think there is a good point being made about negative bias, uh, something that uh, has a biological aspect in our fear of new things, okay? We have to assess it. Is it a danger or not, okay? And it's kind of kind of a, a nice wordplay when you talk about Velcro or Teflon, you know? And uh, we do maybe start, don't pay as much attention or or consider the, when something's pleasant, uh, we say, aha, and we, you know, experience it. Whereas something is negative, we say, hey, how can I get rid of this? How, you know, it, uh, 
how can I deal with this? And uh, uh, this is a very basic about how human nature is, how our mind works, how we get conditioned about ways. Um, I know that my father, I don't know if it's original to him or not, but he used to have a quote, when you're hot, be hot. When you're cold, be cold. (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, the naturalness of, well, when it rains, you get wet. (laughs) Uh, uh, I remember sometimes trying to play with this whole topic in my own mind. And I go out to get the morning paper, you know, and, and you just go down the steps and you go about five, ten feet and you get the morning paper and you go back in. Even in winter, you don't need to put a coat on because you sort of know that it's not going to last long, only so many seconds. Okay? But experiencing the cold in that kind of condition versus when you're lost in the woods and it gets cold, you don't know that you can have comfort in the next moment. Well, that present moment is the same thing. You're experiencing that cold. But the context, your mental context, really makes a big impact or influence on your uh, pleasant or unpleasant, how you label that present moment. Um, we we have the conditioning, perhaps we might call it that. Oh, you shouldn't get wet in, but well, when it's raining, whoa, you know, uh, you want an umbrella, you want a raincoat. How about if you say, well, what's wrong with getting wet? Why why is getting wet an unpleasant experience? Well, think about it. Now, supposing it's raining and you see it as a positive thing, you say, hey, it's raining. This is an opportunity to get wet. And you go outside, okay, maybe, well, I'm, let's say it's in the summertime, and it's raining and you get all wet and you're dancing around in the rain. Then you come in and dry off, change your clothes. Hey, that was great. And I suppose... We could analyze it from all kinds of ways. You could say, well, usually you've got some business here that the weather is interfering with. Okay. Uh, but again, this idea of our mental expectation, context, whatever. Um, if it's cold, whoa, we're, we're already shivering. Uh, of course, we could see a nice snow scene. Uh, on a holiday greeting card, and say, oh, what a beautiful snow scene. So we could, you know, we, that shows us there's some a lot of flexibility in how we want to influence the relative nature of reality or the weather. Supposing you're walking from your car to to the building at your workplace, and again, it's cold, and and you might be shivering and you might start walk fast and you say, Oh, I gotta get into the from my warm car to the warm building. Okay. Whereas maybe and I I've experimented with this. I said, Well, let me experience the cold, not as an enemy or unpleasant, but just the coldness of it. So 
and maybe I'm I could feel like I could do this kind of exercise because it's going to you know I know I'm going to get into that warm building pretty soon. So as I'm walking from the car to the building, I experience the cold. I feel a little that cold prickling of on my cheeks. And when you do, and I what I discovered is when you do that, you really experience that present moment. Okay. And in a, I don't know what the word is, purer way than when comparing it to, oh, this is, this is bad, or labeling it, comparing, labeling, being judgmental of it, but just experiencing what is. And that really takes the sting out of it. You say, oh, isn't that interesting how my nostrils are like this, or mucus like this, or the cold prickling on your cheek, or, you know. Your creakiness of your limbs because it's so cold or something. Uh, expectations and goals and planning and the concepts are crucial, important tools in in our in our, you know in our living everyday living, and yet it's the very things that can cause problems. I think that's the tremendous paradox huh, of the relative nature of reality. There is something there that's absolute. This is what it is without any judgmental labels. But we can't live like that, really, can we? You know, we're always talking to ourselves. Okay. Now, regardless of where that content of that talking is, okay, if it's something that is negative, for oneself, maybe we should immediately try to look at that pro- mental process and challenge our self-talk. So, oh, wait a minute. Okay. How does that? How? Why do I feel that way? Where does that come from? Or is that necessary? Is that really true for me? Uh, something like that. Uh, I think is a. Uh, important sort of everyday consciousness where we put our attention, focus, okay, and the power of labels. Well, that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.